Radio. Alright, so we're just going to jump right into this, and we're going to talk about the disappearance of Megan Lancaster out of Ohio. Uh, the first half of the episode is going to be her disappearance. The second half of the episode is an interview with Katie Lancaster, where she uh, elaborates on some details and talks about the court hearing that we just had last Friday as well. So, and it's a very good and informative interview. So, a little bit about Megan. She was a fairly young mother. You know, she had her challenges in life, just like we all do. But she was also a very good high school athlete, and she graduated with honors. She was very close with her family, and she also had a son as well. On April 3rd, 2013, at the age of 25, Megan told her parents she was going out to run some errands. She called later that night and said she was waiting for Shannon Woods, who was a man who was known to be a drug dealer, and that she would be home, and then she never returned. Two days later, on April 5th, 2013, her car, which was a Ford Mustang, was found at a rallies in Portsmouth, Ohio. The driver's side seat was pushed back really far, as if someone very tall was driving, and Megan was only 5'6". Now, her parents lived in Wheelersburg, Ohio, and this is about a 20-minute drive to where the car was found. In between her going missing and her car being found, no one had heard from Megan. This was very, very unusual. Her family said that she would contact daily, and when they attempted to call her, the phone just went to voicemail. In the car, her wallet was found on the passenger seat, but no other clues or leads were found according to news outlets. So a blog that was posted on the Facebook page dedicated to her disappearance states that several employees from the rallies where her car was found reported that they saw a white Chevy pulling into the parking lot and parking behind Megan's car. The reports also state that she got into the Chevy around 10 p.m. with an unidentified person. The workers copied the license plate number down and claimed to see it in the parking lot days afterward. Another sighting of her on April 3rd was at a gas station around 1 a.m., so this would technically be April 4th, and she seemed to be in distress. Now, immediately after these two sightings, it says that they have also received numerous other unsubstantiated tips, so we can only assume that the first two were confirmed. On April 6, Megan's sister-in-law, Katie, received a call saying Megan was at a hotel. Here is Katie telling that story. Three days after Megan went missing, on April the 6th, 2013, my husband and I got a call from their cousin, and he just said, I need you to get out to this hotel. Megan's in one of these rooms, and that she was tied to a bed. It was like, oh my gosh, we've got to get there. And so when we arrived at this hotel, my husband went and knocked on what could potentially have been death's door. He risked his life not knowing 
if there were machine guns or whatever on the other side. 116 is the door that we knocked on. And two men answered the door. And my husband said, I heard my sister was here. Do you guys have her? Well, they wouldn't let him see in the room except just to the bed. Then when we got home, another phone call comes in. It was an anonymous call. We don't know who it was. Said that Megan was tied to a bed, but in room 210, and that she heard her brother outside and that she was screaming for him. And um, she was no longer there. They said that um, she had been taken out in a bag, but that she's still alive. So we watched this place for days, and we started noticing things like the two guys, one of them had a big suburban, and he would always be outside shining the wheels and Dollar Bill. Dollar Bill is his name. All right, now, in the interview... I do talk to Katie a little bit more about that. She does elaborate on it. I should mention that clip right there is from Spike TV. They did a show or like a little mini documentary called Gone, the Forgotten Women of Ohio. That clip is only like a two and a half minute clip, but you can find it on YouTube. But damn, you know. But Megan's family has been open about the fact, okay, that she was addicted to drugs at the time of her disappearance and had even been known to, you know, sell herself for money or drugs, all right? Like I've always stated, listen, nobody's perfect, and just because somebody has problems or an addiction, it doesn't mean their life is any less important. Right, and they all deserve the same amount of respect when something happens to them or goes missing. And when you listen to the interview with Katie, um, she elaborates on on what the cops told her about that whole situation, which will trust me, it'll make you mad. Now, the one thing we do have to know about Megan as well, um, she absolutely loved her son, and she would she would see her son often. Megan's family feel that the police have not tried hard enough to find her, stating that a lot of evidence went unused and never looked into, and shortly after her disappearance, it was reported she was addicted to drugs, which led to a lot of negative comments and feelings from the public and police as well. Uh, the Portsmouth Police Chief Robert Ware stated that poverty, lack of formal education, and drug abuse were factors in disappearances such as Megan's. But her mother went ahead and said, in response to that, you know, Megan graduated Votech with honors. She graduated from Glenwood High School. She was an athlete. She said, we don't live in poverty. We were middle class citizens. My husband has worked for this county. Her dad works for the Scioto County Engineer. So for him to say that, does he know the families real well? No. Do they return phone calls? No. And that was what uh, Megan's mother said. So the police ended up neglecting a lot of tips and phone calls, and they claim it was due to not having the manpower for the family or anybody who was a friend of Megan's. This is not an acceptable answer, and... As somebody who reports on a lot of unsolved crimes, I have heard this numerous times, and unfortunately, it happens. It it does, and it's it, it's nothing good about it. Nobody's happy about it, 
but after five years of doing this, unfortunately, you know, that's the response a lot of people get, and it's unacceptable. So on Channel 13 WOWK News, the police told them they cannot do large-scale searches without a viable tip, although they could easily go off where they found her car and the confirmed sightings. The cops didn't even take Megan's car in for evidence for six months. Friends and family have posted, you know, flyers all around the area around town, hoping someone will see her and hoping that they would know something. In one interview for the Unfound podcast, Katie said that Megan was working for a local lawyer named Michael Marin when her life started going really, really downhill. She claims that Megan told her this lawyer had her doing dances and other things for him and his clients. And then Katie also found names and phone numbers of men kept in color-coded notebooks. She had sorted them by things such as dance for or men who give money. Also in the notebooks, though, was Marin's name listed next to the notations. If there's anything you need to know about this lawyer, first of all, if you read a lot of articles recently, because he was recently arrested, and we'll get to that here in a second, this dude is described as untouchable. And there are lots and lots and lots of rumors about this guy. A whole shitload of women spoke out about him saying that he was involved with a sex trafficking ring, but no one ever took it seriously, and the police never even looked into it. I mean, as a matter of fact, there was one article I was reading where the mayor was like, well, yeah, we've heard the rumors, but, you know, we really don't believe them. You know, fucking look into it, man. Like, what the fuck? Now, within two years of her disappearance... Seven other local women had been found dead or gone missing as well, and all the women knew each other and were all drug addicts with a similar connection. So in October of 2020, Michael Marin was finally arrested on a total of 18 charges, including human trafficking, racketeering, and compelling and promoting prostitution. It came to light that Marin being a well-known defense attorney in Portsmouth, would offer to represent women who were facing drug charges. He would then offer them lenient sentences, knowing he had the inside with the judges and parole officers. The catch was that they had to agree to have sex for money. And it wasn't just this local area that these allegations came out about this lawyer. There were allegations coming from Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio as well, and possibly other states, which we get into when I interview Katie. She she goes in a little bit more in depth on that as well. The women claimed they were paid anywhere from $200 to $2,000 per job. Now, when Marin has been interviewed, in which he's been interviewed multiple times, he tells reporters that, any investigation into him would be fruitless because he led a boring life, and then he would just deny all the rumors. 
So the Cincinnati Inquirer's investigation began after the newspaper obtained a federal wiretap affidavit, which had been filed under seal with the Southern District of Ohio. And I will say this, the Cincinnati Inquirer is an amazing wealth of knowledge about these events and this case and Marin, and it's it's ongoing. They have been really doing a good job keeping up to date and, and staying informed on this. Now, the 80-page affidavit filed in August 2015 by DEA Senior Special Agent Keith Lighton alleged that Marin had been known to law enforcement in Portsmouth since the 1970s. The DEA agent Lighton connected Marin with 27 women who worked for him as prostitutes. Two of these women are believed to have been met with foul play. Megan Lancaster was one, and the other woman was found dead with multiple traumas in 2013. So with so many women being affected, and the whole town knowing that Marin was shady, you're probably asking why it took so long to bring him down. Well, the type of women he went after were desperate, they were in need, he only chose women he could manipulate and use. Also, he was protected for years by high-profile lawyers, judges, officers, all kinds of shit. The only reason he ended up being taken down was because police outside of Portsmouth were able to get involved. So, Marin has since had his law license suspended by the Ohio Supreme Court. He pleaded not guilty and was released on bond. His trial, well, kind of an initial trial happened this just a couple days ago on the, on March 26th. And I mean, this, the kicker was, (laughs) this wasn't really his trial trial. This was a thing to get him locked up. Basically, what what happened was he got out. All right, his bond was set at like three hundred grand. Okay, and I mean he raised the bond money, which we all know is like ten percent. So he gets out on bond, and I shit you not, when he got out, he straight up went back to work and took on more clients and kept working and shit. So the judge or whoever found out about it, and they brought him back in, and now he's on house arrest. And me and Katie talk about a little bit about that in the interview. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? You can't even make this shit up, right? Unfortunately, there is not much information about Megan's disappearance, all right? Which is why I was very happy to get that interview with Katie, because she goes more in-depth on a few things, all that good stuff. So, you know, hopefully from his arrest, uh, we can discover what really happened to not only Megan, but all of these missing women in Ohio and all these people coming out and speaking out against him. The entire family, the city, they believe that Marin was behind Megan's disappearance. And this particular town is also known for having a lot of drug abuse. And there's a chance that she did meet with foul play when trying to buy some drugs. The fact her body has never been found seems to lend more to the idea of abduction or being trafficked. So, according to the Charlie Project, which was updated in May of last year, 2020, before Marin's arrest, alright, so this is what they stated. Her disappearance may be connected to the disappearances of Jamie Bowen, Holly Logan, Wanda Lemons, Charlotte Trago, 
and the deaths of Tamika Lynch and Tiffany Sayer. Now, some of these women had places and people in common, and all were involved in drugs. There's speculation that a serial killer could be behind the disappearances and deaths, but no suspects have ever been named in any of the cases, and they remain unsolved. Here's another little tidbit about uh, the whole mayor of this town, right? Talking about Marin's arrest. Like, the people in this town said that they actually found out about the arrest through social media. And even the mayor, even though he was aware of Marin's sex trafficking allegations for years and years, he says Marin has consistently denied the allegations. And the mayor says... In our city, or any city, it's horrible if that's indeed happening. Being a father and a grandfather, it sickens me. And Mr. Marin, or anyone who would be guilty of that, they need punished to the fullest extent of the law. So, if you have any information, please call Portsmouth Police Department, 740-353-4101. And we will continue with the second half of the episode, which is an interview with Katie Lancaster after we take a word from our sponsors. Either fast forward a few minutes or take this time to go get a drink and come on back. This is a great interview. Katie was amazing. Shed light on a lot of uh, questions that I had. I'll see you guys back here in a few. So this episode is brought to you by Stereo App. It is an app that you can download right to your phone. You can go to Stereo.com slash MC Podcast, right? I got a link in the description. And every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to go live. And you can be involved in the conversation. It's a way for you to join me. You can ask me questions about certain cases I've covered, certain historical figures, and other things like that. Another cool thing is, too, is I need two people to go live so you can... Be that person that is on there live with me, taking questions, having a conversation with me about whatever topic you might want me to talk about, whether it's related to my latest episode or something that I have covered in the past. Like I said, you can go to Stereo.com slash MC Podcast, or if you're already on Stereo app, you can find me at MC Podcast, and as soon as I go live, you get a notification, so bam, you're right there in the conversation with me. And it's not like you're paying anything for the download either. It's totally free. Just download it, follow me, or you can go to Stereo.com slash Podcast and catch me when I go live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and be a part of the conversation with me. Well, welcome to the interview section of this episode where I have a very special guest. And Katie, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, sure. My name is Katie Lancaster. I'm the sister-in-law and best friend of Megan Lancaster that went missing in um, Portsmouth, Ohio, April the 3rd to the 4th of 2013, and been fighting ever since. Yeah, you're doing a hell of a job, though, too. Thank you. You're very welcome. To get started, tell us a little bit about Megan, personally. Um, Megan, personally, she has the biggest heart of anyone I've ever met in my life. She would literally give you her last dollar, drug addict, not drug addict, um, no matter what. She would help anybody that she could. She is 
an amazing person. She played ball. She was a star softball player in high school. Matter of fact, she played until she was about four and a half months pregnant with her son. Scared us to death. <laughs> I mean, she was that dedicated. She was the pitcher of all things to nice. be playing while she was pregnant. But And she was one heck of a pitcher. She played basketball. She played volleyball. She cheered. She did anything that she could in high school. And then she met her son's father. And, I mean, things started going a little downhill, I think, before him. And then they really started, you know, going a little worse after that. But other than that, she she's a great person, and I just have a feeling that she's out there somewhere. Absolutely, and that's awesome. Like, I lo- always love hearing about the person's personality and stuff like that because context is important. Me and you were talking beforehand. Whatever problems somebody might have that's that's that doesn't define them you know and i think that's what a lot of people forget and they do and i wrote a letter to her um that was published in letters to the missing and that's what i told her your you know megan your addiction your addiction never defined you as a person and we want you to know that and you know her biggest accomplishment in life was giving birth to one of the most lovable little boys that I know play sports just like her. I mean, and he's good. So we have that to carry on her legacy, and it makes it not easier, but a little easier to cope with than just nothing. So let's jump into the case. Um, Can you give us a little bit of clarification on what happened the day she went missing? Uh, was she acting weird? You know, did she see her son or any family members or anything that day? Yes, in fact, she did. She wasn't really acting weird. She had gotten a traffic ticket in, I believe it was Colgrove, Ohio, and somewhere around in there. She came to her mom's house. It was day to pay the ticket and day to say she had insurance and all that stuff, and she just bought the car that she was driving the Mustang. And she's like, Mom, I don't have this money. And then her mom said, well, Megan, you know, it's got to be paid. Like, you know, and the reason that they cited her was for non-payment of child support or something, which she was like $60 behind. I mean, it was ridiculous. So they had suspended her license. And they impounded her car. So she got, it all, she got all that taken care of, and she needed to prove that she had insurance. So she went to Peach Bonding and got the proof of her insurance. She took it out to Glockner's. Or no, her mom took her down to pay the insurance is what it was. They met somewhere in Portsmouth. She got in her mom's car. Her mom drove her to pay the insurance. She got the proof. She got back in her mom's car. Her mom dropped her off. That's the last time her mom saw her. Now, I had been in Columbus all day at a back doctor um, because I had to have surgery shortly after she went missing. And came back into town and we were getting gas at this place called Bee Gees. Uh, it used to be a, like a grocery store, and now it's just a gas station and like convenience store. But we went to the convenience store spot, and she was going through the parking lot so erratic that I called the police, and that has never been brought up. I called the police, and I told them, listen, there's something wrong. You need to stop her car. Well, we can't. There was a man in the car, too. Well, we can't stop her car because... 
She's not doing anything. I said, she is speeding through New Boston. You can stop her car and see what's going on. Now, had they stopped her car, she would probably still be here today because I know she would have had something on her. So that's that that's aggravating. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that that car that call has never come up. But um, yes, yeah, she had seen people, and she had called her mom about seven o'clock that evening of the third, and told her I'll be to see Reese at, you know, to I'll be there to spend the night because he was having some issues. So she said I'll be there to spend the night, and she was supposed to pick him up a video game or something, and she never showed. Well. Her mom didn't think much of it, thought maybe she just went home, and honestly, Megan didn't hide her drug addiction, and everybody knows that. Um, Had went home and did whatever she was going to do and just fell asleep. The next day rolls around, and she can't get a hold of Megan. So she starts panicking. She drives up by Megan's apartment. Megan's car was gone, so she just figured, oh, she's just out running around, you know, getting into her phone. The next day after that comes, and her dope dealer shows up saying that Megan's car had been found, or he had seen her car two days parked at Raleigh's parking lot in Portsmouth, Ohio, and he was very concerned because she hadn't called to get any dope from him. And that, to me, is a little odd. I mean, your dope dealers don't usually search you out. Not really, no. I mean, I mean, if I was a dope dealer, okay, just if I was, I wouldn't search my, you know what I mean, my clients, even if they were coming to me three and four times a day, I'd just figure they got it somewhere else or the OD. I mean, I don't know what I'd think because I've never been in that situation. But, I mean, if I was, I don't think I'd bring attention to myself. No, I agree. Um, because he was one of the first ones questioned. How did you feel, you know, about when you found out about Megan and, uh, you know, got the call about her being in the hotel and pretty much how that went down. It was one of the most horrible feelings I've ever had because I felt something was wrong because her son was having issues. There was no reason why because he was her world. He is her world. He will always be her world. And I feel like Knowing what was going on with him, she would not have ever done this. So somebody was doing something to keep her from us. And the hotel ploys, you know, I don't know if they were ploys or they were true, but they were scary. You know, the first one came in to go to one hotel. We went there. They say that they had already taken her out to another hotel. So we get a call to another hotel. We sat on that hotel for hours didn't see anything but what was the strange part was the dope boys that were there because it's a a dope boy hotel is what it is the dope boys that were there my husband had to knock on the door by himself he didn't know what was on the other side of that door yeah definitely and I remember having all my kids with me because I mean we we don't get babysitters and all that and um Thank God they're to the age that don't need babysitters anymore for some of them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that makes it kind of nice. But, well, you can always get the older ones to babysit the younger ones, you know? <laughs> exactly. Now that that is where we are at. So he knocks on the door. Those two dope boys answer the door but wouldn't open it all the way. 
Then we get the call that she was upstairs yelling for her brother for help. And we called the Portsmouth Police Department, and they just said, oh, we know what they do here. I mean, there's nothing we can do. And I'm like, really? Like, because at the time, and I am not against marijuana smoking. Like, people that smoke it for the right reasons, like, I am not against it. But this place, like, literally reeked of marijuana. And at the time, it was totally illegal to smoke marijuana. Like, that gave cops probable cause at that time to go in on them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was barreling out the doors. They would not go in on them. They were scared of them. So we sat on it for so many hours until we didn't see any movement. I went back by, I mean, day after day after day, and the same dope boys had been moved down to where you couldn't see them because at this hotel there used to be a pool. It was, like, indoors. It was a little, I mean, you should see this place. It's, ugh, it's skanking, really. But they had been moved down to where you couldn't even see their doors. So with that being said, how do you feel that the uh, that the cops handled the case right out the gate? Do you think they took it seriously? Not at all. Not the least little bit. Do I think they're taking it seriously now? Hell no. I had a cop tell my mother-in-law, the mother of Megan, all people to say this to. He could have said it to me, and yes, it would have hurt me, but I would have got over it. I would have, that would have given me more fuel to fight, which it did me anyways because I was standing there. But he said, ma'am, finding your daughter is like, and I wish I knew this guy's name. He, he's retired now, but finding your daughter is like me sending you out in the parking lot back there and telling you to find a pebble of a certain size. And you're not going to be able to do it. That's what finding Megan's like. Damn. Yeah. And, I mean, her mom just lost it. And who wouldn't? Well, yeah. That's pretty fucked up. I mean, it, it, it was horrible. Yeah, like, I mean, for a cop to tell a mother that, it, it's bad. Yeah, that's definitely fucking bad. Especially getting into the, you know, the next the next question here. Like, especially when there's other women disappearing around the same time. Uh, do you think there's any possible connections um, now, the only connection that we have made has been a connection in the rehab section of it all. Most of these girls have went to the rehab down here in Portsmouth. Now, that can connect them to Moran in ways because he likes to cruise the rehabs and stuff. But do I really think that Megan's disappearance is with them? No. Is there any bits of information that you might have, um, you know, that can help others remember any kind of detail or, or anything to where they can come forward? I can tell you most of it is going to be back to officials, judges, lawyers, police officers. So anything, I don't care if you think it is the smallest bit of information, anything that leads to those kind of people, please, private messages, private messages, this podcast, do whatever you want to that you feel safe. Um, we also have a new investigator on the case, and he actually, I forgot to tell you this, he actually would be willing to be added to the call. No, I'd love to talk to him anytime, yeah. Yeah, so we have a new investigator. He's from Lexington, Kentucky. He, he's great. So 
when you previously had mentioned any kind of officials or lawyers that people might have information on, that obviously brings us to Mirren. Do you think that anything is going to happen now that he's been arrested and, you know, formally charged? And me and you were talking off record beforehand, and I had, the fact that this guy was out on bond with all these felony counts, and he's a lawyer, and he still was taking on clients while out on bond, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, so we went to court yesterday. I was in the courtroom. Like, do you think anything will come about him being arrested or anything? I do, because I know I won't quit fighting until it does. Good, good. I have a fight in me that they're not going to be able to stop. And if, I, if, if they, for some reason, think that they can kill me, can get rid of me, think they can do what they did to Megan, they would bring my ass back. <laughs> because I would not quit until they did. Fucking good. They would put me back on the front porch that they took me from. And I know that that's how Megan is, but what's holding Megan back is her son. And, you know, if they're threatening him in any way, she's not going to fight back. Yeah, for sure. Me, on the other hand, I will. His bodyguard or something mumbled something to me yesterday. I couldn't understand it. But I told him, you're a fucking predator. You're going to be locked up for the rest of your life. Your daughter's going to need that rosary she's praying on. And I'm all about, because I come from a Catholic school, I'm all about praying on rosaries, okay? But that ain't going to save your daddy. He is a predator or somebody that took people's daughters. How would, we, how would you like it, Mr. Moran, if we locked your daughters in a basement for eight years and you didn't know where the fuck they were? You wouldn't. So think about that one, buddy, when you hear this one. Yeah, absolutely, and I totally agree. That's like me, like when me and you were talking before recording, there were a few things that we talked about, and it's like, you know, I'll just be the one to say it. Just tie him down. I'd fucking cut this dude's fucking balls off. I don't have any daughters, but here's the deal. I got little sisters, and... If it was something that happened to, I got two little sisters, man, and I don't give a shit if they're 30 years old now or not, I would honestly take pleasure. As long as I knew I could get away with it, it'd be a great time, and it'd be very satisfying for me. (laughs) Well, and and the, the thing is, is that I know for a fact, if he does not get put in prison, there are plenty of fathers out there. And yes, you heard me, Moran, and you do not know any of them. There are plenty of fathers out there waiting to take care of you. And I promise you will be taken care of. And I tell you what, though, like as being somebody who has been locked up before, even if he does get in there, (laughs) he's going to be fucked, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, they keep saying, well, they'll put him in PC. Well, I'll fight for him not to be put in PC. I'll fight for him to be put in general pop. You know, we we have added kind of a dream team at this point to work on this, and it, it'll all be coming out, what all's going on behind the scenes, but there's a lot going on. People think that we might be, you know, dying down. No, we're just trying to keep things low-key for the fact that 
we want to nail his ass. We don't want to just nail him. We want to nail his culprits with him. Good. So just give us time. It took us eight years, oh, well, seven and a half years to get where we are today. And I can say one thing. Thank God for the victims that came forward. Yes. There's a, there's a lot of them. But if this had not happened to Megan, they would have been scared to death to come forward. So I feel that in my eyes, in my book, Megan is a hero and her story was not over when he took her or whoever took her. Whichever one of them, it was just beginning. It was just beginning in the fact that she was going to help not just hundreds, but thousands of women feel safe. And even if they haven't come forward at this point, I believe they will come forward when he is locked up. I believe more charges will be brought against other people as soon as his case is done. No, I totally agree, and sometimes that's what it takes for people to feel safe and come forward and and talk about things is knowing that that person can't, you know, hurt them anymore. And hurt them exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that, and you know, let's hope that they do. It's wishful thinking that they would step forward now. You know, another spectrum. It's it's understandable. Some sometimes when but people want to be quiet and hide. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you want to say about Megan or about this case or uh, the court proceedings? We had a court case on Friday. Yes. This is Sunday right now. And, you know, is there anything you want to say about Megan or the or the court proceedings on Friday? Um, I want to say about Megan. Megan, we love you wherever you are. We are not giving up on you, nor will we ever. This has been one of the hardest times our family has ever gone through. One of the most trying times for all of us. And I can tell you that, like, I want you to know this did not happen in vain. Like, you are doing big, big things, and I don't know whether you know it or you don't. But I hope that you do know it. As far as the court proceedings on whatever day I went there last week, Friday, I guess, they were bullshit. They were bullshit. I mean, he got, he was on house arrest. He got home incarceration. What the flying fuck? And his daughter thought it was hilarious and, you know, all this. No, it's not hilarious. And one of you, I'm watching you because I know you're in it with him. So just remember that. You're next. I'm not done. This is just beginning. His bodyguard, this is just beginning, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I read a couple of those articles uh, Friday evening. I wanted to keep up to date on it, and I read some, and I was just shaking my head at, at at work, you know, with my buddy who doesn't know anything about anything about shit, you know, and I'm just shaking my head, and he's like, what? And I told him the situation, and he's like, what the fuck? He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, dude, you can't even make this shit up. The fuck? And they think it's over. They, they think it's over, and it's just beginning, because if, if he gets acquitted... Oh, I have other things up my sleeve. Good. And it's not double jeopardy, double jeopardy, and it's not illegal. So just think about Mr. Moran. Absolutely. And the sad fact is, is that guy doesn't know that there is literally a whole community of people that listen to this podcast all over the world. <laughs> so 
Yep. You know what I mean? Like, we can put this dude out His there. story made it to London, England, and he was pissed. Oh, it's going to make it further yeah. than London. I guarantee it. Yeah. I got listeners in Australia, London, literally every continent in the world. So everybody's going to hear this case yep. and they're going to they're gonna start looking into it. And they're going to find out that this guy has a law office with a phone number that you can just randomly call whenever you want to. <laughs> so. His cell phone. I'll give it to everybody. If I had it on me, I'd give it to you. 357-something. I don't have her book down here, but I'd give it to them. They can call him all they want. And um, for anybody that wants to find us or wants to talk to us, it's Finding Megan 2013 on Facebook or Jeremy and Katie Lancaster on uh, private message. Yes, and it's Katie with a D. Yep, Katie with a D. Finding Megan 2013. We had to combine our Facebooks because it was just too much to keep up with. Absolutely, yeah. Between, you know, uh, everything that was going on, plus I run human trafficking pages, so it was just too much to keep up on. But Understandable. Yeah, so anything anybody wants to know, contact me, and I will let you know to the best of my knowledge, or if I can't, I'll just exactly what I'll tell you. I can't let you know that at this time. Katie, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to to talk to me and shedding a little bit more light on this case because it's yeah, I mean, we're in the we're in the heat of it. You know what I mean? You got a person who's been arrested yep. who's getting pampered. There's connections. There's several other women involved. Yep. And if he goes back to jail, I will be asking for agents to watch him, not COs at the jail. I will be filing a motion for that. Absolutely. He thinks this is my first rodeo. It's not. <laughs> I fucking love hearing. I love <laughs> Maybe hearing my shit first like rodeo that. of this sort. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> my first rodeo of this sort, but it is not my first rodeo of any other sort. So. It's like when it comes down to handling business, it's going to get done either way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's going to get done either way. I mean, it took me eight years, and I was in the car when I found out he had been arrested. And I'm telling you, I about jumped out. I about jumped out of the fucking car. My husband kept saying, "What? What is wrong with you?" And I couldn't speak. I couldn't get it out. I mean, I have flown to New York City to get to the top of the FBI. I, I have. Oh, the list goes on and on that I've done to get this story to where it is. Good. And. Thank God for our girls. That's all I've got to say. Thank God for the number of people. I can't give an exact number, but the number of people that have come forward. And I'm telling you, it's a lot. Yeah, and no, and that, that dude, that always helps yeah. so much. And, like, people think that, oh, it's like, oh, all they got to do is come forward. It's not that hard. And it's like, you know what? It's not that fucking simple. No, it's not fucking simple at all because they have families to think about and they have to have proof. Exactly. We had proof. Megan left it. It was hard for them to deny not doing anything. And that's the coolest part, though, is that she she left that proof. And like you had said earlier, like, she doesn't even understand the waves that she's making, even though she might not know about it, you know? Like, I wish I could have five minutes with her to tell her, Megan, you are doing such big things, sister. And we love you. And we will always fight for you. And that will never change. I don't care if it's 50 years from now, if I'm still alive and old and gray on my walker, I will still fight for you. That is fucking awesome. I want you home no matter what home means. 
But thank you so much for your time, and oh, um, no. it was a joy talking to you and doing your podcast. And if you guys have any more questions, just give us a call. Like I said, you know, I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me, and hopefully we can we can get a lot more attention on this case. And trust me, like it's the cases happening now. Like it's literally in the news right now. There was a court date last Friday. We're we're current, so. Hop on the Facebook page, get involved, spread the information. Yep, that's all I can tell people is get involved because these girls go from Ohio, Nevada, New York. They're all over. His girls are. So if a girl hears it in Nevada, don't be afraid to reach out. I'll say this too. Like if anybody wants to reach out to me, I can offer you anonymity. That's totally fine. Like I have, I'm just trying to help here. So I'm not a cop, not a fucking investigator. I can offer you anonymity, and I'm sure Katie can do the same if you want to reach out to her as well. So, Yes, we are working with Sal Grasso. He's from Lexington, Kentucky. If you want his information, he will definitely grant it to you. And, uh, you know, a lot of times all you need is an affidavit, and the people don't even have to go to court. So that makes it nice, you know, because a lot of times, you know, Moran 70 some years old, he's, he might remember your face, but he's not more likely going to remember your name unless you've been a girl for him for a long time. So, but thank you so much, sir. Thank you again, Katie. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Justin. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. And again, this episode was brought to you by Stereo App. I answer questions on there. I go deeper with details on certain things that I've covered on the podcast. Question I have for you guys is what do you guys think of the Delphi murders and why they haven't been solved? That is a fucking great question because I live about an hour and a half away from Delphi and I actually went to the location about two weeks after it happened. My opinion is that See, that's how easy it is. It's pretty awesome. I really suggest you download it. And like I said, you can join me live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Get in on the conversation with me. Love to hear from you. Go to Stereo.com slash MC Podcast. Just download the Stereo app and find me at MC Podcast.